Just don't fall asleep, all right, would you? Hey, it's great. This is, uh, we have some kids in the audience, by the way. Uh, anybody here under the age of six, 14, 12? Anybody under the age of 12, raise your hand, would you? Hey, we got some kids in here. That's good. And with them, they brought, they brought something in their bag, and it's one of these things. You got this, kids? Did you get this? Could you pull that out for me really quick? I want to teach you a really important Christian virtue right now, okay? So pull out your little hearts. And, uh, man, I got to put my glasses on and read that one. Love God and love others. That's what's in there, right? So the first thing you're going to do is in here, there's something, there's something in here. It's called Skittles. Anybody here ever heard of Skittles? All right, you're going to open your heart. And the first thing, and the first thing I'm going to tell you to do is I'm going to teach you how to share. So you're just going to show that to the adults around you. And open it like that. There you go. That's called sharing. Yes. There we go. Very good. Very good. They, you know, this morning we just start jumping into a new series that I'm excited about. Um, it's talking about knowing the will of God. And the will of God is 99.9% known. And I think that's what's so interesting about being in the faith is years ago, I started realizing that there's something that we missed early on in our lives. And I thought, well, what is that? Why is it that so many Christians are sort of, we're sort of this mosaic, but we're almost like a hodgepodge of knowledge and understanding of Jesus? And I thought, that's not really the way Jesus did it. And, and I thought, you know, there's something we have to do here to change this. Because oftentimes as a pastor, people will come to me and they'll say, well, I just need to know the will of God. And as I explained last week, most of them don't even know what they're supposed to do to really discover that. And so even the basic steps of knowing his will, his revealed will. And so what's fascinating as a pastor is as we go through this, when you're done with this series, this sermon series, when it's done, is you're going to be receiving a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper, you are going to basically have the Christian job description. If you're going to follow Jesus with your life, this is what you do. Is it that simple? Uh, yeah. Is it hard to do? Absolutely. Just because something is made simple by God does not mean it's simplistic. And so knowing the will of God made simple by God doesn't mean it's simplistic. Doesn't mean that you don't have to do your homework and there's more study needed and all sorts of good stuff. It just means that you need to understand it from the beginning. What is your life supposed to look like for Jesus? And of course, what I love about it is, is at the heart of it is a lot of really good stuff. Stuff that if your heart was filled with Skittles, I would hope you'd open up a little bit and share, right? So if your heart's filled with good things from God, why don't we open up our lives and do what? Oh, share it. Would you? Sharing is what? Oh, you guys, you're so sinful. It's a Hallmark card in here. Um, what I want to show you is for the adults now, kids, you can, uh, I'm going to show you in a second. But for the adults, I want to kind of share with you, whenever you look at a job description, the first thing you do is you see the position that you're, you're being offered, right? Or that you may want to take. So let, let's just take a look at it. This is just like the first part. We'll introduce the second part next week. First part of your description a disciple will be a student and follower of Jesus Christ, and this is his or her vocation. 
to live like Jesus in this world and to do the good works God designed for us. And this is a full-time position devoted to loving God and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Pretty clear? This is full-time. There's no half-time jobs. Full-time devotion. Uh, One of the verses, uh, one of the sections of Scripture I love, if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. And you can read with me here. It says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is a a beautiful section of Scripture um, that most don't own. You need to own this. This is you. In fact, at the top of your notes, if you could write a little statement out there, instead of follow God's example, could you just write, I follow God's example. Write it to yourself. Make a memo to yourself. Self, I follow God's example. The next question that typically will hit your head is you'll start to reflect on your life and go, do I follow God's example? That's a little more of a challenge. In fact, so much so, Paul even interjects it. And in chapter 5, verse 3, he begins a, a list of things that you shouldn't do. Kids, this is a great list to talk to your parents about. But at the end of that list, in verse 10 of chapter 5, he says something I love. He says, find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases God. I'll give you an example of this. You're doing it right now. It pleases God that you would learn the truth. It pleases God that you would come to church corporately, faithfully, loyally, regularly, and then to worship him through your own heart and actions. That pleases God. It pleases God when you learn to sing even though your voice is terrible. Doesn't matter what your voice is like, does it? Because when you open your mouth and you pour out praises, you're singing songs of joy. And God loves that. That pleases him. Kids, it pleases God when you do that too. But did you know as a, as a child of God, you have a little different job description. Looks a little more like this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, let me say this. In the Lord. If your parents tell you to do something you should not do in the Lord, then you don't do that. But you obey your parents in the Lord, for this is the right thing. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it'll go well with you, and you'll enjoy a long life on the earth. Kids have a little bit of a different job description. But man, sometimes I think this verse applies to some adults I know. Because they never learned to obey the Lord. Obedience. I don't know, have you ever found yourself struggling with just obeying? It's like when somebody tells you to do something, the first thing you want to do is what? 
the opposite. Right? Think about it. Somebody tells you to do something, how do you react? I'm not going to do it. What in the world? That's the little stinker in every one of us in this room. The little stinker in every one of us. Children just make a healthier reflection of it. But you know, every job description where you want to say, I follow the example of God, which is Jesus, every, every job description also has in it something else, guys, essential requirements. So if you're going to follow Jesus and be like Jesus in your life, then you need to have certain requirements met. What are they? The first, you should be saved. I do not expect people who are not Christians to act like Christians. And so why in the world do so many Christians get surprised when they don't? You ever wonder, why does it surprise you when people don't act like Christians? If they're not Christians, they're up to, there's no standard in their life. Why do we judge otherwise? If anything, your primary purpose, I love it. When, when people are clearly not Christians, it's very simple for me because my job description is simple. I need to show them Jesus' love and bring them to this. I don't need to convince them of their wrong beliefs or their uh, affiliations or their friends or their politics or whatever it is. I'm not there for that. I'm there for this job. And I think Paul was very good at this. In Corinthians, he said, it's by this gospel, the good news, by the way, that you're saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, and the idea of salvation in there is a current salvation. That is, you're being saved today. Did you get that? Does anybody who followed Jesus really get that? You know, Ryan alluded to it when he was on the floor putting flooring in. There's a little something that was going on between him and Jesus where Jesus was saying, I'm working on your salvation today. Do you hold firmly to it? Otherwise, you know what? Your belief is in vain. If you don't live within your salvation on a daily basis, your belief is in vain. What does that mean? It means if you get up tomorrow morning and kids, you got to go to school. And all you do is you put on, oh, I got to go to school. You don't pray. You don't give your life to Jesus and say, you know, my first job is not to be a student of this school. My first job is to be a student of Jesus. I'm going to walk into this school and I'm going to show them Jesus. If you don't literally walk into your salvation every day, then pretty much what you believe is in vain anyways. You see, your job description is to represent Jesus, not yourself. you got a big job. You need to follow him and find out what pleases the Lord. What makes him happy? You see, for what I received, Paul said, I passed on to you as of first importance. More important than anything you do in life. More important than the car, the house, uh, the marriage, Everything else, what is more important is Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. This is the most important thing if you are a Christian. And I, I, I hit that if real hard. Because man, that's a heavy if. Salvation and the good news of Jesus Christ is number one. 
at all times, all places, all ages, all circumstances. I follow God's example. Thank God for that. You know what's so cool about this? I need, to, I need you to see the benefits of it. You know, when I said you open your heart and there's all this good stuff, can I just show you what God did for you at salvation? I, I want you to see this. He gave you... A, something that I don't think most Christians understand. I want you to see the divine in all this, the divine scope of all this, the benefits. You know, any job, any job has what? Benefits. If there are no benefits to the job, typically you won't last long because you're just like, what in the world am I getting out of this, right? What if you had no benefits? That'd be terrible. There needs to be some benefit. I know people nowadays, they go to get a job just to get the medical benefits, what if I could get you not just medical benefits, what if I got you eternal life benefits? Huh? Not just this body which decays and goes away, but maybe a new body that will never decay and never fade. Maybe the past in your life will be saved. You see, if you're a Christian, you truly realize the past sins in your life, that their guilt of all that, the penalty of all the sins that you accumulated, no matter how old you are, kids, whether you're 8 or 80, doesn't matter. All the stuff, all the junk in the trunk, I don't know if that's good or not, but anyways, all the stuff that's bad that happened in your life, or to you, by the way, not just things that you did and put upon yourselves, but the things that came into your life. All that stuff, all the penalty of that stuff is gone. You believe it. You live in that. Or do you live in the past? You know, I, I meet a lot of people that say they're Christians, but man, they're living in the past because they're not allowing God to work in the present. They're allowing all the sins and the junk from the past to keep them from doing anything in the present. And to that point, I will tell them, get saved. Do not look to the sins of the past. That's not where your life is found. Your sins are forgiven. That's huge. That's not a small thing. Do you know people in your life, even students, if you're in high school, guys that have done stupid things and they're regretting it? And here's the thing of the difference between children and adults. Well, there's not a lot, but let me share something. Children oftentimes don't know how to ask forgiveness, and they only experience the guilt of something without knowing how to release it. And without a godly adult example of forgiveness or restoration, children will act out is what they call it in our culture today. They always have acted out. Whether you're a, a young child or an older child, they act out. Teenage rebellion is something we coined in our culture. It's, it's, a, it's non-existent in the Christian community. And I caveat this Christian community. Do you hear me? Why? Why would I ever want to rebel against a God who saved me from all my sins? Dude, I, I rely on his salvation every day in the present. Did you know that presently, right now, today, that the believer is being saved in the presence now of his power over all your sins? That's why you'll find that as you follow Jesus, he starts working on stuff in your life. 
You know who does that for you kids if you're eight years old or six years old? Listen up, kids. The person who's supposed to be working on some of that stuff in your life to show you Jesus, well, that's mom and that's dad. But when the Holy Spirit comes in and grabs hold of you, boy, I'll tell you, you'll be at school, you'll be at work, and you're about to say something, you're about to do something, you're about to go along with something somebody's going to do, and all of a sudden you realize that's not the right thing to do. I'm tempted, my flesh cries out, but that is so wrong, I can't even go there. And believe it or not, his salvation is not just for the things in the past or the present. It covers everything in the future. The believer will be saved in the future from even the presence of sin in your life. Glorious day, that's part of what we worship around here. There will be a day in every believer's life where there's the absence of sin 100%. Is that amen to that one? Amen. Yes. Yes. But you see, you got to be saved first, guys. That's like, a, that's like an essential requirement to be able to live out a Christian life. And a lot of Christians, I find a lot of Christians are like, are like, uh, like uh, we were in high school. This is the problem, right? So, so when I was in high school, we had these walls. We had a jock wall. We had a surfer wall. We had a swimmer wall. We had walls, right? And I don't know what they do now. God knows. My son does. And the reality is they had, we had these walls. And we had these words for people. And you've, you've heard this hopefully before. But when you have somebody that's at the wall, but they don't really do that thing. They're at the jock wall, but they're not wearing the letter. What did you call them? You remember what they used to call them? Anybody? Come on, give me a word. Wannabe. A wannabe. I find a lot of Christians think because they were raised in the church, they're actually following Jesus. And when you see the lifestyle they live in, that they're not living in the salvation of the Lord, they're just a bunch of wannabes. How can you live the way you live if you don't understand this? You don't share this. This is not priority one. What did he say in Ephesians Follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us. And he gave himself up for us, guys. He sacrificed. It hurt. But there's another essential requirement that every Christian has to follow here. Personal confession. I, this seems to have, like, left the church, like, left the building. People don't talk. You know, in our culture, let's start with our culture. Kids, listen up. Uh, young adults, listen up. In our culture, in general, we don't talk about spiritual things. You'll notice the absence of religious conversation, spiritual conversation, uh, conversations about values and virtues. The only time they come up is when you hear news. And at that point, it's just an ugly thing. And I sit there and I go, you know... Personal confession. This is something, again, I want to repeat to you. Listen very carefully. In the word of God, your mouth and the things that you say are as much action as if I pick my glasses up and put them on my face. What you say is an action of your heart because out of the mouth comes the unction of the 
heart. And people will say, oh, they say that somebody will say something and somebody will say, oh, they didn't mean that. No, 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 you don't get it. Out of the heart comes what they speak. They absolutely meant it. Now, whether they're in sin or whatever else, that's different. We have forgiveness. But you have to understand that personal confession of Jesus Christ is important. Listen, what would it mean if I had a dear, close friend, and when we're together, we're like this. But man, when he's out there in his world, he never talks about me. He never, and even if people ask me, hey, who's your closest friend? He doesn't say my name. What would you Think about that kind of a relationship. What would be your personal gut reaction to somebody who treated you like that? Or even in public, if he was with you, and all of a sudden you're in a group, and they say, well, who's that? Oh, I don't know. And Jesus made this incredible statement that should, like, you know, make you rethink a lot of things. He said, if you don't acknowledge me before others... Who in the world am I to acknowledge you before the Father in heaven? You really think you're going to get to heaven and he's going to say, hey, I know this guy. This guy didn't even claim to know me. You see what I'm getting at? And I sit there and I go, personal confession is huge. I like the way it's said in the, I think this is probably one of the greatest verses. You guys should memorize this if you get a chance. Probably one of the greatest witnessing verses for our generation is not as much the John 3, well, John 3, 16 is beautiful, by the way. That's how I came to Christ. They're all perfect, all right? The whole Bible, perfect. I got you. They're all good. But this one's interesting because this one kind of presses people to say something about it. Notice what he says here. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Isn't that a that's past, present, future? It's with your heart you believe. You're justified. Remember, and it's out of the heart speaks the lips. And it's with your mouth you profess your faith and you're saved. Perhaps the first action of the heart. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I'll ask people this question. I'll say, how many of you, I just got to ask you a simple question. Can you be saved without some sort of confession? Now, if you're a deaf mute, there are exceptions. Can you be saved without personal confession? And no, everybody will read that and say, oh, absolutely not. In other places in the Bible, you have to say, you have to say, I want Jesus to be my Lord. Like at our baptism this afternoon, it's, gonna, it's a wonderful experience. Please come. But the reality is, then I throw out reality. And I say, how many of you have ever been to a church where they say, bow your head, close your eyes, and pray this in your head? And then you've known Jesus. Ever been to one of those? Now, I'm not saying Jesus can't work miracles, but man, when you don't do the word of God, I've got a real problem with that. Because if you've never brought people to a place of confession, and you just let them hold it inside, thinking this is some sort of an internal revival going on, without an external marker, ah, where is your confession of your faith? Isn't that interesting? Now, again, this is all if you want to be a Christian. This is a job description. You don't have to do this. You have a free will. Realize that. But don't make church be what you want it to be. That's, that's the other thing. It's just like this little thing that drives me nuts. It's like, listen, if I don't want to believe the Bible, there are plenty of things in the world to believe. But you want to believe the Bible? Don't be throwing verses out 
and don't be putting them in. There's a purpose to your confession and your salvation. Salvation and confession kind of accomplish multiple things. Take a look at this. First of all, it gives you eternal life. It's you're saying, listen, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord, and I want people to know that. And it's not a lot of rocket science behind that, by the way. Um, and the reality is Jesus then says, now that you've acknowledged me before others and in your life, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. Pretty simple, right? How about this one? It secures you for good works. When the Spirit of God comes in your life, it forces you to say, listen, is everything in your life about you? Because if it's all about you, you're a hedonist. Let's just be clear. Okay? I was raised within hedonism. I want you to know that. Even within church life, I was raised within hedonism. Because I went to church for what I could get for who? Come on. Was the music rocking or good? And some of you go, oh, too rocking. Too good. Yeah, so you're here for the music, right? You're here for the message. Is this guy any good? Right? You're here for the children's program. Come on. You've got to be here for that. If you read through the Word of God and ask why should you be here, You'd be surprised how much of this stuff in this room could go away. Requirements. An essential requirement is to worship God and to secure you for good works. That you go out into that world and you love others. You love others, not because you like them, by the way. You, you don't love others because you like them. There are a lot of people I don't like and I don't like what they do. But I love them to death because you know what? I too was trapped in my sin. And I have incredible hope. I want to love them. To manifest his love. How's the world going to see unconditional love? Do you really think the world's going to show you how to unconditionally love? You think you're going to go to high school and see unconditional love? That they're going to show you that? No. They'll love you if you do what they do. And also to bring glory to himself. Now, this is something i got to stop and pause. Everybody, you read this, read this, and it makes sense. You go, oh, yeah, to bring glory to God. That's what we're here today for. And at first, yeah, I thought, simple. Not, not so much. Why? Let's pull outside of Sunday morning. When you're doing something at work or in your home or with your neighbors, and they say, hey, great job on that. Have you ever glorified God in front of other students? You know, God is so incredible. God's been teaching. Have you, have you ever done that? You see, when I started to pull this, this outside of just Sunday, I began to realize I was never taught to do that for years of my life. You manifest his glory to those who don't know it, his love. You bring him glory. Uh, there are times I'm just hiking out in the woods and I'm sitting there going, God, what an incredibly beautiful place you've created. Thank you so much. We get to enjoy this. We live in the Bay Area, man. If you can't glorify God from some of the stuff going on around here, you, I don't know what's going on in your faith. This is a beautiful place. And, and the other thing I love, too, is I glorify God even for technology. Do you realize the Bay Area, I just heard this statistic from one of our church planners, that of global technology, global technology around the world, tech, biotech, uh, computer tech, the Bay Area houses 30 plus percent of the market. That's huge. We live in a fascinating and wonderful place. Well, why don't you glorify God for that right now? Think about it. 
what you can glorify God for. And the thing is, these essential requirements are for all of us. So kids, listen up. What do you got to do then? If those are requirements, what do kids do? Well, I love the kids' requirements because here's what you have to experience or be qualified for. Have you ever read a job description and you read it and you go, I'm not qualified for that, right? Because you read something in there and you go, wow, I've never done that. I don't have that experience. I, I can't do that. I love the position. I'd love to do that position, but I don't have the experience or qualifications, right? Let me give some to you. Children, listen up. First of all, because he loved you first, you should say, I want to love him. Some ways that you could show that love for God, three essential markers, kids. Listen up. Open your heart. You're going to see some good stuff. I will show my love for God by obeying my mom and dad with a good attitude without arguing or complaining. Do any parents in the room have a problem with that? I just want to make sure I don't want to cause any waves. Number two, I will respect them by saying, yes, mom, or thank you for taking me to the movies, or can I get that for you, or how may I help you? And looking, I will look for opportunities to help. Any parents have a problem with that? This is amazing. I get the same response everywhere I go with these three. Last one, I will honor them. This is a key one, guys, especially if you're in high school. Listen up. I will honor them by speaking well of them to my friends and other adults when they're not around. I find the best place to find if your kids honor you is not when you're in the room, but when they're with their other friends. How do they talk about you? Interesting, isn't it? Obey, respect, honor. Kids, three things required of you before God while you're under your parents' household because someday you will not be. And, and let me just throw this out. This may be the very thing most adults in this room say, I need to do that. I don't respect authority. I've never, I don't show people honor and I don't obey. I don't like to obey. Kids, three things. And really, you look at it, your job, uh, parents' jobs is to, listen, any parent in this room, if their kid came out of high school and started their own life, and they showed honor and respect and would, could follow, obediently follow people, right? Would you think that's a win as a parent? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's not a win. That's like, yeah, victory, right? Yeah, I've got one out, and yeah, victory. I got one victory. I got three to go, but I got great kids. I got great kids, and I love celebrating the victory in that, but you know what? Not everybody has done that, and some parents, they look back, think I did a terrible job. It's never too late. Don't let the devil deceive you. Kids, listen up, though. I need to be able to open your heart and chew on a few of these. I need to see a little obedience in there, respect, and honor. Right? And by the way, I can see those things. I can see those things. Those are visible markers. Either I tell you to take out the trash and you either do it or you don't. If you don't, it's called disobedience. If you do, it's called obedience. Work at these things. To please the Lord. What pleases the Lord? These things, children. But to the adults, here's something else. 
The adults' experience and qualifications may vary because some were never raised in Christian homes. Some don't even know what the Bible says yet. We're learning, and that's a good thing. You should be a student, remember? So what I'd like to do is make it simple here. I want you to create a sentence. If I, if I could call this homework, consider this continuing ed, maybe clinical research, I don't know. Uh, create a sentence. Uh, take a marker to your notes. You have notes right there. Circle those words that scream out at you that I personally need to work on. And if you can't find any of my notes, turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and just read through verse 3 all the way into verse 10 and circle any words that apply to you. And then write a sentence to the Lord that you could pray. And you would just start it this way and you could end it however you want. I choose to trust in Jesus by. Begin to live your job description. Oh, I forgot to mention this. One of my favorite parts of this Ephesians section is it says that Christ gave himself up as a fragrant offering. And of course, you know, in the early church, they had these incense. You guys ever see the early church? They walk through like this. And they're waving this and the smoke's rising. There's a reason for it. Fragrant offering. But we have other ways of doing this. So I just wanted to share how you could be a beautiful thing. With your heart wide open, you should be wonderful. People should love to get... The more people get to know of your heart, they should actually sit there and go, Wow, I want to know more of it. I would eat it, but it might be impolite. So, but this idea of as you sacrifice your life, what good is it? You think about it as a hedonist. What do I get out of it? Well, I already showed the benefits. Think again. But when you offer your life up and you're sacrificing your life and you're burning out... Well, remember, you're burning out for all the right reasons. Because when we offer a fragrant offering in our house, we burn these things called candles. And the wax actually gets burned away to where it's all gone. And when it's all gone, we realize we need a new candle. This product is called luminescence. Luminescence. I wonder, when you go into a room, what is your luminescence? Huh? Or are you even lit up for Jesus? And, and giving off a lumen. Because these things do no good if they're not lit up. I mean, I guess you could shove your nose in there. E exactly. <laughs> That's not very nice, walking around like that. Did you know in the dark ages, they used to wear perfume around on their neck on a necklace, and they'd open it up and leave it open because they didn't bathe. Yeah. We used this. This is called perfume, or... Cologne, thank you, the male version. Mine is Nautica, because you know guys can't do flower names. And I, ah, smelling good. So we put it on our bodies, we let it go in our homes, huh? You ever walk into one of those shops, like they're, they're sort of trinket shops, but they have that smell, and you're like, wow, I want this in my home, but you, can't, you just can't reproduce it. It's just the accumulation of so much smell. But then there's, there's smell that comes through the incense as well. I have this thing. You put an incense in here, and you put this on here. Anybody ever see one of these? This is called a smoker. I'm not promoting smoking. 
But it's actually kind of funny because you put the little incense in here, you close it up, and the incense burns out and smokes through his pipe. Yeah. And then, of course, the last one, which I held for last because it's the most important, pineapple spray. It's for that special room. <laughs> Kids, you can ask your parents later. But let's just say God knows we need this. And God knows when things don't smell right, what to do to make you smell better. You know, when you're in your sin, you need a little freshening up. Forgiveness. Ah, the beautiful fragrance. We use fragrances everywhere. So why would it surprise us if I asked, when you leave this place, how are you going to smell in the world for Jesus and what's going to be in your heart? When you say, I follow God as my example. And if you're in the front row, you're feeling it. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have not just... Uh, saved us, that you have, are redeeming us, that our salvation is rich, current, real, putting things behind that need to stay there, working on things today that need to be worked on, and in the future it is bright, for there will be no sin in my life someday. What an incredible thing, and it's all because of you and what you will do. But Father, we have to own the job description. We have to meet the requirement. We have to walk in your grace and in your favor and in your spirit. When we choose to walk in the flesh, it's all in vain. We need you every day that we would be a pleasing aroma to this world. Thank you, Father. Thank you for showing us the way to live. You were clear. We tend to muddy it up. You love us. Let us learn to love the way you have loved us. In your name, amen. Stand with us for one last song. I forgot to mention first time guests to come back and get a gift. Did oh, okay. You You won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. You are the peace in my troubled sea. In the silence, you won't let go. In your questions, my truth will hold. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. You are the peace in my troubled sea. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow 